I'm your host, Annie Bowles, and this is News Du Jour. Hey everyone, welcome back to the news du jour. As promised, I have an extra long episode for you guys to make up for missing yesterday. I produce this podcast completely on my own five days out of the week, except for federal holidays, and I almost never take a day off from it, even when I'm sick. So I really, really appreciate your patience with my heart procedure yesterday. Luckily, everything went smoothly. Aside from a sore throat, I'm completely fine now. And they found out that the hole in my heart is very small and doesn't need any further treatment. So that was a huge blessing. And we are just relieved that there's not another step in this process and that I am safe. But on a happier note, merchandise is here, you guys. It is launched. It is launched day to day. We have been waiting for so long. After first a bumper sticker launch and then a sweatshirt launch, we are now ready for a full-on permanent merch store for you guys. I'll go ahead and put a link in today's show notes, but the website is simply www.sugarfreemedia.co forward slash shop, or just go to our homepage and click the shop tab right at the top. I'm so excited for you guys to see everything. Every dollar we make from merch goes right into reaching more young women who need a calmer space to consume the news. So thank you guys always for supporting this small, female-run, and owned business. Now, as promised, we will be having a little bit longer episode to catch you all up today on everything that's been happening this week after I was out yesterday. Let's get into it. So first up, there's arrest warrants out for Texas Democrats. Guys, only in Texas, I feel like, you know, maybe here in Oklahoma too, but this is such a Texas thing to happen in my opinion. I lived in Dallas for about four years, so I feel like I'm pretty well acquainted with the culture there and this just has me cracking up. But Remember how the Texas Democrats and their local legislator uh, recently fled the state going to D.C. to avoid voting on the new election laws and also to raise awareness on the subject. But now the state speaker of the House signed 52 arrest warrants for the missing Democrats in order to try to force them back into the state for a vote. If you remember, they cannot hold a vote without a certain number of legislators present. So they need at least some of those Democrats back in order to bring the bill to a vote. They have to reach two thirds of the total legislators in order to actually vote. 
But two Democrats have actually already filed lawsuits about forcing them to return. Lyle Larson from San Antonio was actually the sole Republican to vote against these arrest warrants. They're really standing on principle here, folks, and we'll just have to wait and see where things go from here. Stay tuned. And now for our next story, Cuomo. So the biggest news story of the week is probably the resignation of Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York. Or should I say, former governor. A move that he said he would never make. He apologized. Somewhat. But still maintained that aspects of the reports against him were inaccurate and political, which is what I would categorize as a non-apology apology, (laughs) and frankly, nowhere near good enough based on this track record. He said in his press conference, quote, In my mind, I've never crossed a line with anyone, but I did not realize the extent to which the line has been redrawn, end quote. Woof. (laughs) Running your fingers down your security detail's neck in an elevator alone and whispering, hey you, into her ear has always and will always be across the line in any book. That is not workplace appropriate. It is not okay. It is harassment. Plain and simple. One of the 11 women who accused him of misconduct has now actually filed criminal charges against him. And she may not be the last. And thus, Cuomo's issues may only be beginning now. That said, for the Republicans who wanted him gone, their easy walk-in-the-park race against him may have gotten a little harder because we're not exactly sure who will be running in his stead. But for now, a woman named Kathy Hochul, who is a lieutenant governor up until pretty much yesterday, will now be taking his place, making history by becoming the first female governor of New York ever. A double win for womankind. And up next, we had two major pieces of legislation passing through the Senate this week, so I wanted to talk about them both. This is major news and moves President Biden's agenda forward in a big way. First up, let's talk about the infrastructure bill. So the Senate gave some major bipartisan approval for the infrastructure bill, proving that it is possible to compromise in the era of distinct political polarization. Biden brought the spending down to a fraction of his initial bid, but this bill is set to install billions of dollars worth of roads, bridges, trains, airports, public transit, water infrastructure, charging stations for electric vehicles, and more. It will also go towards things like cleaning up mines, implementing road safety measures, and putting in more broadband. About $550 billion in spending was approved for this bill, but it actually fits into this larger package that was already planned for. So that will be totaling about $1 trillion with the other package added in. 
But infrastructure tends to be something that both Democrats and Republicans can typically agree on. So it was a smart move for Biden to play this card first and build some trust across the aisle, hearing his colleagues out and finding some common ground. Next up, let's talk about the spending bill. So the thing about the spending bill is that Democrats snuck in a lot of what they wanted to put into the infrastructure bill into the spending bill. And they can do that because they have a narrow majority in the Senate and a vast majority in the House. So things like climate change, support for families, health care funding and more are included in the spending bill. The support for families will come in the form of covering child care for working parents, paid family leave, expansion of public schools and more. Moderate Democrats were initially skeptical due to the bill's $3.5 trillion budget. Mitch McConnell, a prominent Republican, said of it, quote, This reckless taxing and spending spree is like nothing we've seen, end quote. Republican Lindsey Graham said of the bill, quote, You're spending money like drunken sailors, end quote. <laughs> and thus... The infighting continues, despite the bipartisanship that we saw surrounding the infrastructure bill. If you guys ever have questions about these pieces of legislation, though, hit us up on social media or at the email address in our show notes. We are always here to help break things down for you. Okay, so next up, we actually have a bunch of mini stories on the topic of COVID. So let's run through them. First off, we are seeing the highest case counts since February. Ever the journalist, I could not resist asking at the hospital how everything is going with COVID there. Everyone, I asked, rolled their eyes, exasperated, saying that it has been so much worse than people even know, that it's back to where we were in February when the vaccines were just being rolled out. And that is directly linked to the Delta variant spreading like wildfire among the unvaccinated. We know this because the states with higher vaccination rates are seeing far fewer cases and even further fewer deaths in direct correlation. Next up, the Lambda variant. There is a new variant on the block that everyone is talking about. The Lambda variant of South Africa coming into the United States through Houston. Since it's still early, it's tough to say exactly how transmittable this variant is or if it stands up to the vaccines or not. But one thing is for sure. Scientists are keeping an eye on it and will keep us posted as more data becomes available. So please stay tuned. So next up, Dallas school mask mandates. So the Dallas School District has actually announced a mask mandate for schools, which is in direct violation of Governor Abbott's executive order on this subject. But Texas only has about a 44% vaccination rate, and thus many people are still spreading this virus around and hospitals are filling up. 
California has also now required teachers to either provide proof of vaccination or to submit to regular COVID testing. And the governor of Oregon has also reinstated a statewide mask mandate. As a reminder, the reason that we're seeing these types of restrictions again is because as the virus spreads, it's going to mutate even more and even more, and it may be able to create versions that defeat our current vaccines. So the numbers need to get down below a certain level, and if they don't, we are all still at risk, even those of us who are vaccinated, if a variant comes along that can supersede that vaccination. Again, hope that makes sense. I know that this is a complicated topic and a sensitive one. So if you guys have any questions, again, feel free to reach out. We've partnered with our local health department to help spread awareness and accurate information. So if there's ever a question I get that I that's out of my league, I am happy to send it over to the health experts that we have at the end of the phone <laughs> um, on speed dial. So For our next mini story to do with COVID, an anti-vaxxer radio host has died of COVID now. A man by the name of Dick Farrell, who had once described Fauci as a, quote, power-tripping, lying freak, end quote, and urged people on air not to get vaccinated as recently as this past June. And now he himself has died of COVID-19. He anchored radio shows for the right-wing news outlet Newsmax, but after contracting COVID, he texted his friends and family to say, get the vaccine as soon as possible. Story after story is coming out like this as of late, and it is as preventable as it is tragic. But for our last COVID-related update, I wanted to remind you guys, um, but also provide some new information, that those in poverty are really being hit the hardest. Around the world, poorer populations are being hit the hardest due to lack of vaccines and economies that were already under stress sinking further. The World Food Program released a joint report this past week with the UN's Food and Agriculture Organization, and they were raising red flags for areas of the world like Africa, Central America, Afghanistan, and North Korea. These are all areas plagued with conflict and or dictatorships. Of everything affected by this pandemic, this is probably the most important thing to be aware of and be talking about and to be keeping top of mind. We have so many resources here in the U.S. and not everyone has that luxury. So we should look for opportunities to help out, whether it's putting pressure on our governments to help out or, you know, sending aid through different charity groups. I will definitely keep my eyes posted. (laughs) eyes open for opportunities and calls to action to help out in these areas of the world. And for our final story today, a man was held in a mental hospital for two years, over two years, by mistake. 
In what can only be described as a nightmare scenario, a man was apprehended for simply looking like someone who had a warrant out for his arrest, and he was held in a psychiatric facility for two years until they finally realized they had the wrong guy. The real man that they arrested was named Joshua, and I'm probably going to butcher this last name, but it looks like Springersbach. And he was homeless at the time without an ID. He had fallen asleep in line to get into a shelter. But the state of Hawaii, where Joshua was at the time, has laws against lying in the streets. So the police picked him up in violation of those laws. However, he looked a lot like a man named Thomas Castleberry, who had a warrant out for his arrest due to a drug-related activity in 2006. Joshua tried to tell everyone who he was, but without ID to prove it, authorities felt that his excuse was a little too convenient. But Joshua's family suffers from schizophrenia, so he was pretty quickly sent to a mental health facility for two and a half years. He spent much of those two years doped up on medications that made him drool and actually prevented him from walking properly. They thought that he was crazy for insisting that he was not who they thought he was. But eventually, health professionals got a hold of his birth certificate and they realized they had been wrong all along. He was eventually released, and the Hawaii Innocence Project took up his case and began fighting for him in court. And now, both the Honolulu Prosecuting Attorney's Office, as well as the AG's office, are looking into it to potentially bring their own charges. The craziest part of this, though, is that the police actually failed to compare Joshua's fingerprints to Thomas's, which would have cleared this whole thing up right from the get-go. Thomas's prints were in the database, according to the Innocence Project, and thus the police really failed this man. Joshua did not even live in the area where live in this area where he was arrested when Thomas committed those crimes there. And just to add insult to injury, Thomas was even locked up in prison in Alaska when they arrested Joshua. So it couldn't have been him, even if they double checked. But he was assigned a series of lawyers who simply did not believe him even enough to look into it. I say this all the time. But there are serious holes in the way that law enforcement communicates across state lines. It should have been simple for them to look up Thomas's arrest warrant and see that he was already in prison somewhere else. In fact, there shouldn't be an arrest warrant out for a man who's already in police custody. All of this would have been avoided if there had just been better communication between those two states. Or if the police had simply double-checked that they had the right guy via fingerprinting. What is the point of having police technology if they simply don't use it? From the outside, it's very hard to understand how such an egregious mistake could have been made. Ultimately, even winning lawsuits against these entities will not give Joshua those years back. It won't make up for the fear he felt and for the pain he went through. But... It's a good place to start. 
And that is the news du jour. I hope you guys enjoyed this a little bit longer episode to catch you guys up. I wanted to apologize one more time for the cicadas outside. They're just extremely loud and somehow come through um, into the house where I'm recording, but it's giving us summer vibes, I think. So (laughs) I'm rolling with it. Anyway, today I wanted to leave you guys with the quote, there's no comparison between the sun and the moon. They both shine when it's their time. Now go shop our merch. See you online. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider becoming a patron of our podcast. For $7.99 a month, you can unlock tons of perks like breaking news text messages so that you're never out of the loop. Tons of bonus episodes are already up there ready for you to binge and a discussion board full of networking opportunities and much more. Go to www.patreon.com forward slash sugarfree media today to become a patron. This is the best way to support our show. Our patrons make news du jour possible. But a couple other ways to support our podcast are rate and review on whatever podcast platform you use to listen, share on your social media, you have influence. Tell your friends, family, and colleagues that you love news du jour and why you listen. You can also follow us on social media under sugarfreemedia.co on Instagram, just sugarfreemedia, all one word on TikTok, and sugarfree underscore media on Twitter. We also have a weekend newsletter called Dreamers Digest that's full of dreamy content recommendations for your weekend and a life update from yours truly. Sign up today on our website, www.sugarfreemedia.co. Our music is by Joey Lavoie and Nicholas Foster. Our cover art is by Hannah Pierce Photography. Our Sugar Free Media logo is by Katherine Jezik Designs. Any twinkling or little footsteps you might hear in the background are by my dog, Rhett. He's a rescue pup and always records with me. We appreciate you listening and look forward to telling you about the news again next time on News Du Jour. Broadcasting from... Oh...